On today's show, we have back in the studio, Karen Simmons. Karen discovered the love of God is a dismantling love. After meeting him in a very unique way, there was no contest between what was and what was to become of her life in Jesus. Every desire buried deep inside her heart began to come to life. Traveling the world, sharing the love of God fulfilled her dream as a 10-year-old to be in the Peace Corps. One of the many dreams and opportunities continually being fulfilled as a Christian follower. Her desire is to continue to be yielded to the Spirit of God as a good steward of the many gifts she has been given until she sees Jesus face to face. We would love to hear from you what the Lord is doing in your life or have seen in others. Write us at stories at themillenniumbeat.com or call us and leave a voicemail at 407-624-9957. Welcome to the Millennium Beat Podcast, where we like to encourage the world one story at a time. Now get ready to hear stories from around the world that encourage and uplift you. Now to the show with your host, Kevin James. Hey everybody, this is Kevin James and you are currently listening to the Millennium Beat. Thanks for joining us. Today we're going to have part two of an interview I did with Karen Simmons. Karen, thanks for coming back. Well, thanks again for having me back. I appreciate it. It's good to have you here. Really, it is. Um, Last week, we were talking about your life, basically from your birth up to pretty much the time that you gave the Lord your life, basically. Yeah. So let's pick up, let's do a little recap, tell a little quick story of of your walk from that pirate, and then we'll continue with your... Okay. So um, I was born and raised in New York. Uh, came from an interesting Catholic family, a little bit on the dysfunctional side, and uh, made some choices throughout my early life. Um, got involved in drugs and alcohol and other things, and which eventually brought me to a place where I had, uh, I guess, been running from God. I became a um, a drug dealer in college, and that particular uh, side profession followed me into my marriage, uh, which I I got married right after right after I finished my two years at Elizabeth Seton College in Yonkers, New York, and um, we moved to Brooklyn and then to Tarrytown. And at that point, we had a child. I had a daughter. She was uh, five and a half years old uh, when I finally came to a place where I recognized my life was an absolute train wreck. And um, I had my brother, my younger brother, lived in Florida at that time. So we used to spend... Uh, sometimes our vacations in Florida visiting my brother and his wife and his children. And so it was in 1986 during these kids, uh, my daughter's spring break from school, where we made a trip down to visit my uh, brother and his wife. Um, At that particular point in our marriage, um, I was uh, having several affairs, and my husband didn't know it uh, particularly that because I had told him, but he knew that there was something very wrong. Um, I was also drinking quite a bit, and we were still drugging. We were still dealing at that point. And um, 
he had posed a question to me. He said, I want you to think about what you want to do. Um, after this vacation, you need to give me an answer what you're going to do. Um, and think about it thoroughly because I will uh, pursue to take the children. So, and I went to, uh, we went to Florida. <clears throat> he, he gave me an extra week. And um, I tell you, I, I look back on that and I see that when the devil has a hold of us, it's, we are in a net. We're not just in his hands. We're in a net. He has us captured in a net. And there's so many interconnecting knots that keep us tied up, so to speak, in his net. And uh, I had become incredibly arrogant with my ability to get away with, uh, I was going to say get away with murder, but, you know, get away with sinning. Right, yeah. You know, I was just so, I had gotten so arrogant. Well, is one of the reasons why you never got caught. Yeah, so, it was just like, hey, oh, I never got caught. Oh, my gosh. And I had actually brought photographs of these men that I was having an affair with. <laughs> and I actually had the gall to uh, share them with my sister-in-law. Now, her and Raymond attended Benny's church, and they were both born again, spirit-filled. And Michelle, she says to, to this day, she never thought in a million years I would ever come to the Lord. I was that out there. Right. So we're home alone one night, and like a jerk, I get these pictures, and I go down into the living room, and I show them to my sister-in-law. I mean, but but when I look at it, it was all part of God's plan. Right. It was crazy. And she looked at them, made no comment, and she just looked at me in the eye, and she said, are you happy? That's all she said. Karen, are you happy? And I said, well, not really. You know, not really. And she said, well, I'm going to tell you a story. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and she said, uh, you know, Jesus died on the cross for you. And I'm sitting there on the floor and I'm looking up at her and I'm saying, I said to her, I said, yeah, I know, but I never really got that. You know, it never sank in. Right. So she said, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a real simple story. She said, you're sitting in a classroom and all of your sins are written on the blackboard in front of everybody. All of your sins are written on the blackboard, and then all of a sudden, Jesus walks in to the classroom with a big eraser, and he walks right up to that blackboard, and he wipes, he erases all your sins off the board. And then she asked me, she said, would you like that? Would you like a second chance? And I was like, yeah, I think I would. I'd like a second chance. And the moment she said that, uh, her nanny came in from a prayer meeting at Benny's and she's quoting Jeremiah 29 11 as she's walking in the door down the hallway and she yells from the front door hey Karen are you in there and I said yeah I'm in the living room with Michelle and she said for the plans I have for you says the Lord are plans for good and not for evil plans with an expected end I mean she's yelling it down the hallway and she finishes the scripture if you search for me you'll find me with all your heart 
as she gets to the the living room and and she says, "What are you girls doing?" And Michelle says, "Well, I was just about to lead her in the sinner's prayer. You want to join us?" So I do. I mean, she sat down and we said the sinner's prayer together. I got slain in the spirit and I prophesied. All that at the same time. At the same time. Oh wow. And I, and I said uh, something good is going to happen tomorrow, and I'm going to live in Florida. That was what I said, and I didn't know it. And I said, and Michelle said, "Did you hear what you said?" I said, "No." And she told me. I says, "Oh wow." So um, the crazy thing happened after that. Um, Sandy gives me her Bible, and she goes, "I want you to take my Bible and go upstairs." And pray. Right. So I look at Sandy and I say, I say, the only two prayers I know are the Hail Mary and the Our Father. Right, yeah, Catholic. (laughs) So she said, don't don't you worry about that. She she said, don't you worry about that. She said, "Uh, God is going to teach you how to pray. So my background, I'm Italian and German. So I go up into the bedroom upstairs and... um, I sit down on the bed, and I shake my finger up in the air, and I said, if what happened was real, if what happened down in that living room is the truth, then you better talk to me out of this book. And I'm pointing, you know, hitting the Bible. You better talk to me out of this book. And I hear this voice in the room, and it says, kneel at the edge of the bed. And I knelt down at the edge of the bed, and I heard the voice. It said, put your hand, open up the, close your eyes. I closed my eyes. Open up the Bible. I opened up the Bible. Put your hands on the pages. I put my hands on the pages. Look down at your right thumb. I looked down at my right thumb. It was Isaiah 58, verses 9 and 10. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, here I am. Oh, wow. When I, I, I lost it. I, I lost it because I heard it was out here. It wasn't in my head. It was out in the room. Oh, wow. And um, I looked up and I said, you have got me lock, stock and barrel. You've got me. I didn't even know what the heck I was saying. I just heard my dad say that so many times when I was a kid, lock, stock and barrel, whatever the heck it meant. But he had me lock, stock and barrel from that point on. And he completely delivered me completely uh in the living room what ended up happening was i saw this picture when i i guess when i got slain in the spirit i saw a picture of a black tornado coming out of the top of my head and this knot i had gotten raped when i was 10 years old by my uncle and i had a knot under my rib cage from the time i was 10 till the time i was 32 when i gave my life to the lord and the what I called was Ajita, was gone. And I said, my Ajita is gone. And I felt completely clean. Wow. And uh, it was quite amazing because I hadn't, at that time I was drinking and drugging and I had, you know, affairs going on. And I had, uh, I was addicted to pornography. And what happened was, I, you know, that experience up in the bedroom there, and then the next morning, I, I slept like a log. It was amazing. And the next morning, I woke up and I bring down my suitcase. And I asked Michelle, where's the garbage can? And she goes, what? 
what are you talking about? I said, she said, how do you feel? I said, I feel, I feel five foot seven for the first time in my life. I said, where's your garbage can? And I emptied out my suitcase. I mean, my, you know, my drugs, my alcohol, all these clothes that I had worn with other people and these magazines and all this crap. I just emptied out my suitcase. Wow. And, um, and that was the beginning of my story in the Lord. And he never stopped. Uh, I, I couldn't quite wrap my head around that I had heard a voice outside of my body or that I had seen that, you know, I right. had that like vision of the, of the tornado. And those things never stopped happening with me in that first, uh, you know, few months of my my conversion i i i had to go back to tarrytown but the the cool thing was that on the plane going back to tarrytown my ex-husband now he's my ex-husband but at the time he would he said to me um I called him up. I said, Kenny, I got saved. And he says, no, you're a liar. I was because I was a liar. Right. He just <laughs> knew your old nature. He knew my old nature. Yeah. But uh, I told him what happened to me. And he said, well, I have to tell you something. He said, I was in the airplane. Now, he had not did not know the Lord at the time, but went on the ride back to... Um, to New York, he heard a voice that said, if you want to save your marriage, you have to move to Florida. And so we made this decision, okay, we're going to move to Florida. Right. So this, this, this was like craziness. The, um, we lived in a condo. This is like a miracle. We lived in a condo. We lived in it for seven years. We bought it for, I don't know, like, I don't know, maybe fifteen, seventeen thousand dollars and we sold it for 130. So we had so much cash. We got out we were completely out of debt. We put 50 grand down on a house that my brother built for us here cuz he was a builder. Right. And we started a new life here in Florida and we were involved with Benny Hinn's ministry for 7 years mm-hmm. when you know before the Lord moved us on but Now did he move you on before Benny moved, or was he still there when you moved? He, he was still there in Orlando. Okay. I've been yeah. to his, I actually was his office studio. I've been in that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I met his brother and, and yeah. his youth pastor and stuff like that because I used yeah. to work for TBN. Oh, okay. And, um, you know, they came on the show. But, yeah. So I know, I know the church that they. Yeah, so we were there, and it was awesome. There was a, a guy there many years ago, John DeLacio. He was a prophet, and because I was having all these open visions and everything, and it wasn't very typical in that congregation, you know, right. and I was like, what is happening with me? And so they directed me to him, and I, I, um, I spent time talking to him, and that's when I started to learn more about the prophetic gift that God had given to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was in that church um, in August 1987 when I got involved with children's ministry, because, you know, that was my thing in college. So I became very active in the nursery, the young young minist- young kids, and, and then the ones that were like first, second grade. And I was the art director for a summer camp in August 1987. 
and that's when I actually met the Lord as Jehovah Nisi the Banner, which was the the framework which framed out the rest of my life in the Lord, uh, even unto this day. I'm still in ministry since then, in the same kind of ministry. But um, it was a supernatural encounter. I didn't expect it at all. I was just walking from my cabin, uh, from where I was working to my cabin, and it was dark out. And I just heard a voice like I did that first night I met him. And he just said, Karen, stop. I Don't take another step. So I just stopped right there in the road in the dark. And he said, um, he said do you trust me? And I said, yes, Lord, I trust you. And he said, he said, the next step will change the rest of your life. The next step you take will change the rest of your life. And um, I said, okay. And I took a step forward, and all of a sudden I was like encased in this cylinder. It felt like I was encased in jello. But um, I knew I had a direct line to heaven because I saw lightning going into the top of my head, and the lightning were scriptures. And um, from that moment, that I don't know how long it lasted. All as I know is from that moment forward, all I wanted to know was about my Heavenly Father and His character and His love for people. And, and it was crazy because... I knew scriptures that I had never like on purpose memorized. And right. my, my brother would say to me, Karen, how do you know all that? I said, it was that night. I don't know. It was just a supernatural thing. Mm-hmm. And I believe that, uh, you know, from there on out, I began just crazy studying about his character and uh, about communication with the Lord, prayer. Mm-hmm. And, Everything became birthed out of that night. I began, I had, I knew how to sew. My mom was a seamstress. And I began making banners. And it was like, why am I doing this? But I was, you know, I was putting into fabric what I had been studying, whether it was, you know, about him as the healer or him as the peacemaker or him as the warrior and I would translate what he was showing me onto fabric and I started my business intercourt ministries began way back then by making banners and then all of a sudden I started the um I went to this church family worship center in Apopka and they wanted banners for their church. So I'm like, okay, great. This was like in, in the 90s, early 90s. And uh, I would do that. And there was a little boy from Australia. Little boy. He's five years old. And he walked up to me and he was like, Miss Karen, can you make me a green flag? Out of nowhere. And I was like, a flag? Okay. So this was like in 1992. So I made my first, my very first flag was a little tiny green flag for this little five-year-old Australian boy. And he would take that flag and wave it in front of the church, marching back and forth, back and forth. And the anointing would come like, could knock you over. Wow. And so the Lord started talking to me about the revelation of his character through these flags. And that's how I began with this flag ministry. And I, he began just, 
it all unfolded from that one little flag. No pun, unfolded. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Let me ask you Unfurled. Because I know of your, you know, your teachings and stuff like that. Yeah. What was the significance of the green flag? Oh, life. Life, okay. Uh, yeah, and I was asking, and, and that stirred an interest in me. It was like, okay, I am going to find out what all this stuff means, you know? And then he started teaching me about, you know, natural significance of color and spiritual significance of color. And then it was just his whole personality started unfolding. And then the prophetic in me, it was almost like, okay, well, if I see that he is giving me a word like for the body about how his river is coming, what does that look like? Is it nice and gentle? Is it dark and, you know, you know, is it really moving? Is it rushing? Is it moving? And how could I translate that? Because at that point, I he told me one day, he said, Karen, we're going to the store. And I was like, okay. I had been making flags out of every kind of fabric you could think of, you know, getting it at the fabric store. And one morning I wake up and he says, we're going to the store. So I just thought, oh, yeah, we're going back to Joanne's Fabrics, you know. Lo and behold, he was like, nope, we're going to Pearl Art Supply in Altamont Springs. And I was like, okay, I've never been there. I've never been there. So I, I remember standing in front of the front door. And he's like, okay, 35 steps forward. I mean, no joke. It was like, okay, I walked through the front door, 35 steps forward. Turn to your right, 18 steps, da-da-da. I do what he said. I did exactly what he said. I ended up in the silk aisle Mm -hmm. with silk and silk dye. And I'm like, I've never done this before. And I was like, okay. So I bought, you know, a couple of colors, the primary colors, you know, the colors of the rainbow I bought and a couple of yards of silk. And I took it home and it sat there. And it was weeks later, I was sitting in um, Burger King. Burger King. (laughs) And I was having a cup of coffee. And Burger King's old cups used to have flames on the bottom of the cup. Yeah, the you know, their logo. Uh Anyhow, uh... I'm I'm sitting there, and he said, I'm going to put a fire flag in your hand. And this was in 1997. And um, lo and behold, I would go home and try to make a fire flag out of the fabrics that I've always been working with for right. years. And then all of a sudden, I was like, hmm, maybe that's what the silk was for. <laughs> and I... I stretched it out on some wood and I started painting. Right. And I came up with this flyer flag. I was like, oh my God, it looks like fire. And when I, you know, created it and put it on a pole and started flying in it, I was like, oh my gosh, it really looks like fire. And um, so a friend of mine said to me, hey, we're going to a messianic conference in Orlando. Can I take your fire flag with you, with me? And maybe someone would be interested in buying something, buying it or having you make them one. I was like, okay, I didn't, I was like, no. At that point in time, I found out later, you know, a year later, that there were only three silk artists in the United States in the Christian community. And I happened to be one of them, another lady in California and another in Tennessee that I I later found out about. But I'll be darned. There was a woman who came 
and she wanted that fire flag my my original fire flag she wanted it she was a um a, a dancer a worship dancer from france mm-hmm. who had come to the states to do the conference and that's where my first fire flag went was paris france in 1997 wow and from there the lord has there right now they're in 68 countries and you know something no i had no website hmm. it got to they got well it's 127 countries now but the first three years i had no website and it they ended up in 68 countries wow. just by word of mouth so i know that you know the, the lord is definitely with me and i'm very grateful for that and that has um you know, out of that, I was given so many words, you know, that the flags would be my calling card and they would go before me into the nations. And uh, I've been blessed at this point, you know, to have been to 18 of them. And in some countries, oh my gosh, uh, the crazy thing is I would walk into like a church to teach on worship or to teach on the banner ministry and there'd be a flag of mine in the congregation. It was like mind blowing that I, and it was just mind blowing that those kinds of things would happen. But he has, uh, in those years, in those years of creating, um, I listen to the Lord and he'll give me a word and I'll create a flag. They don't just pop out of the air. They come out of my quiet time, my, okay. my, my, you know, my quiet time with the Lord. It's just um, a visual expression of my um, relationship with him, I guess, and my calling, right. you know, to speak out, to say what needs, what he is saying, to say what needs to be said. So That's cool. Now mm-hmm. I can see, as I said, we've so far we know that right from the get go. I mean, almost like a lightning bolt. I'm almost seeing like God has you, and your feet are running, and He just drops you down, and you're just oh just yeah, just going. It, he's got a prophetic gifting on you. You also yeah. have a prayer and intercession gift on you, yeah, and also a flag ministry and under and an understanding of the colors and what yeah. they mean. Oh yeah. So those four things right now that He already has. Yeah. It, it's it's all around you yeah no doubt about it so it's it's been interesting i just um i think part of uh, my background uh just caused me to be fearless and to just move forward just regardless of the peripheral junk right um i know that that jesus put in me this uh just i can sense his anointing or within my life, within my heart, and I just try to be a really good listener. I think that's the key is be a really good listener because we're, we are all ambassadors of the kingdom. We're all teachers of the gospel. In one form or another, we're all, um, I think we're, we're called to express his heart in one, one way or another. Well, isn't that prophetic? You know, what we're, we're speaking the Father's heart. Oh, and yeah. we are as listeners more than we are speakers because most of it, as we're taught as prophetic people, yeah. most of the stuff that you get is for your in- prayer and intercession more than saying it to somebody. Yeah. It's- well, I mean, yes, I know that he wants to, um, uh, 
I'm thinking of how they make wine, you know, it ferments for right. a while, right? I mean, I think that all of us are pressed and he's squeezing the best out of us. And at the same token, you know, we're, if we're in his place, if we're dwelling with him, if we're abiding with him, if we're seeking after him, I, I really believe that the best that he's put in us will come out, however that is. Like, you know, I went to college to be a teacher, and so my I love to teach. Right. And out of the years I studied about my Heavenly Father, so out of that comes all the teaching about his character and how to minister, and I have all these teachings, you know, releasing the anointing in ministry and stuff like that. I would, oh, years back, I was like... I was I would challenge people. I would really challenge people in the flag and banner ministry because there's so much uh, flair out there. Even nowadays, there's so much flair and color and all this stuff, and it looks so beautiful. But when you get down to the nitty gritty and you start talking to these people that have uh, ministries, that it's like an inch deep. You know, I just did a. Uh, workshop over in um, Fruitland Park a couple of weeks ago and you know just challenging people to get into the Bible and to learn about the Lord and um, just I've done several books you know um, one of them it was worship the divine exchange it's like we we exchange Pastor Charlie's always talking about the trading floors and we're always trading every day and i think we have to continue to trade our time for time with him and trade our life with life in him and uh i think that's the only way we can make it in in these times you know i have another one that's uh let there be light there's so many things that have been stolen from the church and and, you know by by the new age movement and and because people are fearful fearful about you know how god has created us and what's our purpose and all this stuff and but we we have the lampstand of the lord inside of us we are full of light you know we are full of wisdom and counsel and might and knowledge and the fear of the lord and you know those are the things i like teaching on i like empowering people spiritually spiritually empowering people i mean that's part of my thing Okay. You know, so. And well, you definitely have had an interesting life up to the time you were saved, and then now God has just used you. And we yeah. talked about some of your mission trips and stuff like yeah. that. But let's kind of close it up a little bit here. Is what is God doing in Karen's life right now? Oh wow. Well, the things that um, I think I will forever be a worshiper, no matter what my circumstances. Um, I'll forever be a lover of God, no matter what my circumstances. And I thank uh, him for um, just, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, you know, the Philippians. Um, Because right now, you know, I'm in a new season of my life. You know, I, I have been teaching for, since 1987, I've been, and I'm still teaching, and I'm still creating flags, and I'm still getting prophetic words. Uh, but my focus right now happens to be family. So um, I think that it is a privilege to be able to share right. uh, what I have learned and my life experiences. 
and the power of God and his faithfulness with my family. And uh, just as I've shared it all these years with families all over the world in doesn't matter whether you live in a house or a dump or in the jungle or, you know, in a big city or a little town, uh, the love of Christ is still available to you no matter what your uh, economic, cultural, doesn't matter what kind of condition you're in, he's, he's available to you. And so I just counted a privilege to be able to continue to share uh, the... Uh, the love of Christ and his um, his tangible presence in our daily lives. He's always there. We just need to keep looking for him. All right. So closing up now, is there any last statement that you want to share that you didn't, that you really want to get out there? Or if not, then we can mm-hmm. go right into prayer and just mm-hmm. pray for somebody, you know, people or somebody that's sure. listening. Uh, and we'll go, we'll close up from that. So. I would just have to say, through it all, God is faithful. And that might sound a bit like a cliche, but he is he has always been faithful. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter what condition you're in. I look back on my own life, and I can say that God was faithful. He was faithful when I had my back to him. He was still faithful. He was faithful when I was looking him square in the face. He was faithful. And I would like to say to anyone who's listening who has had uh, not such a great life, maybe a life filled with disappointments, maybe a, a life filled with tragedies, that God is still faithful. He's there. He's right next to you. He's listening to your cries. He's listening to your uh, anguish. He feels your pain. So many times all we want to do is hold on to all of the anguish and the trauma and the pain that we have that we're holding on to. But the the fact of the matter is he, he promises he will give us beauty for ashes, and that's a guarantee my life is a example of that very scripture he gave me beauty for my ashes he can do that for you and i would just pray that um, your heart would turn towards the one that loves you and allow him to just embrace you and take you into a place of peace where you can breathe and rest and become everything the Lord has desired for you to be in this world, in this life, be a person of influence in your, in your area, in your family, and enjoy the blessing of being loved and feeling loved and knowing love, the love of your Father. And I pray that for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, everybody, this is the Millennium Beat. This is your host, Kevin James. We've been talking to Karen Simmons. Karen, thank you very much for joining us. You're very welcome. I'm happy to have been here. All right, everybody, tune in next week for more of the Millennium Beat. Thanks for joining. Thanks for tuning in today to the Millennium Beat podcast. 
I hope you heard something that was encouraging to you. We'd like to hear from you with your story, so write us at stories at themillenniumbeat.com or give us a call at 407-624-9957 and leave us a voicemail. You may also find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we have a YouTube channel. Please like us and share us with your friends. You may also go to our website at themillenniumbeat.com and you'll find our podcast and our YouTube video. You also may find a calendar there with past and future guests and dates and times. Plus, another way for you to contact us with your stories or questions. This has been a Millennium Beat LLC production, copyright 2020. Views and opinions of the guests are not always the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat LLC. You've been listening to the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I'm going to give you a little snippet of a show called Family Matters with your host, Paul Kendall. If you want to hear more shows like that, go to KindleFamilyNetwork.com. Once again, I'd like to thank Paul Kendall for the use of his show. Welcome to Family Matters, a daily look inside the real world of parents and their children. I'm your host, Paul Kendall. If you're a living, breathing human being, you've had to deal with anger. Some handle it better than others, but anger has gotten the best of all of us at some time or another. And there's no easier person on the face of the earth to get angry at than your spouse. Isn't that funny? The one person who probably cares for you the most and loves you more than any other is the one person you get the most angry with. Even a publicly polite person can get angry with their spouse at the drop of a hat. It's actually not so strange when you understand the root of anger. Simply put, anger is the result of a blocked goal. Now, the first time I heard that, I thought it can't be that simple. But the more I thought about it, I could see that it was true. For example, my wife used to sometimes burn the bottom of the biscuits. Being the genius that I am, once in front of company, I said, Oh, look, everybody, we got the expensive biscuits, the ones that come on their own individual black serving tray. Instantly, the room temperature dropped to 20 below zero, and I could feel the piercing of Evie's stare. Before our guest tires left the driveway, I ran for cover, locking myself into the bathroom. How could you say something like that? She yelled through the door. I replied, are we really going to split up over biscuits? Truth was, my wife was not really upset over the silly comment. Her blocked goal was that she be thought of as a good wife and a good cook. My comment only sealed her embarrassment and threw a spotlight on what she feared the most. No one can anger you like your spouse. Why? Because their opinion matters so much, and it can easily block your goals. The next time you or your spouse gets angry, stop and ask yourself, what goal is being blocked here? What is the root of this anger? Most of the time, you'll discover that it has little to do with what is being argued about on the surface, and you'll understand better how to resolve the real issue. Divorce decrees often cite irreconcilable differences. That's because people are too embarrassed to admit it. Reason for divorce? 
Biscuits. That's Family Matters. I'm Paul Kendall. For more Family Matters, log on to ZionTabernacle.com.